Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's CMIO Roundtable Discussion. In this segment, our panelists talk about how they're working to make sure physicians have the tools and support they need to do their jobs effectively, why you need to get to the root of physician burnout before you can address the issue, and how they're dealing with the common problem of what comes next after a big implementation. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvata the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at improvata.com. Okay, so thank you so much to all of you for joining us. I think it's going to be very interesting to hear more about where the CMIO role stands today and uh, some of the challenges you face and some of the the really pressing matters. And um, I think the, the best way to start is to identify who we have here today so, um, Maya, if you could go first, just which organization you are and how long you've been there. Sure. So, um, I'm at the University of Iowa Healthcare, and I've been here for a little over two years now. Uh, we're the only academic medical center in the state of Iowa, uh, so we provide tertiary and quaternary care to the state. Um, we have a little over 750 beds um, licensed for 800. And we've got an adult and then pediatric, the children's hospital, as well as a psychiatric um, hospital, and um, and provide ambulatory services as well to the surrounding Johnson County area. And Brian, how about uh, you can go next? Sure. Uh, So I'm the CMIO at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. Uh, I've been there about two and a half years now. Uh, Prior to that, I was CMIO at uh, Health East Care System in the Twin Cities. Uh, so I've had a little bit of culture shock going from a, a uh, market where there is really only three players in town, each of, each of which holding about 30% market share, and about uh, 40 to 50% of all uh, payment was uh, value-based. And now I come to Chicago where there's really only one organization with even more than 10% market share, and literally 95% of the payments are in a fee-for-service. And so I, I feel like I've gone into a little bit of a time warp coming to Chicago, but uh, it's, uh, it enables me to take my lessons learned from a value-based market to uh, rush to uh, help them look at how we're going to transition to that, uh, uh, that payment model. Okay. Very, very interesting. And um, Stan, what about you? I'm with Intermountain Healthcare in Salt Lake City, I've been here 30 years this month, so uh, I've been in this particular position as the CMIO for for about 11 years. Intermountain has uh, 24 hospitals and about 35,000 employees, about 1,200 IT employees, and I'm unusual, I think, in that there's there's also a chief health information officer. Uh, so my my role has really been sort of more of a technical architecture strategy role, and and the CHIO has been more of the role of uh, system implementation, change management, okay. communication with physicians, etc. So okay. uh, a little unusual maybe in both the size of our organization and and the division of labor between two two positions related to what would normally be a CMIO position. Okay, very interesting, and I'm sure we'll, we'll want to get more into that. And um, and finally, last but not least, George. Hi, yeah, I'm this. I'm the one of these is not like the others. 
I was the CMIO at the Children's Hospital in Omaha, Nebraska for, I don't know, probably about 10 years. And then in 2010, kept the CMIO role and added the CIO role and uh, did that for another five years and uh, retired, I use the term loosely, um, in 2015. And now I split my time between working with uh, CHIME as kind of their uh, physician liaison. Um, I, I direct their uh, CMIO Leadership Academy program um, and also serve on the faculty for their CIO boot camp. And then I, uh, I advise organizations on a variety of uh, mostly physician-related activities, whether it's uh, implementation or more often it's, it's, it's around governance or analytics or data quality. So a variety of, of, of areas uh, kind of related to the, okay, we've got this, this software and now, now what the heck do we do with it to actually demonstrate some value. Right. Now, Maya, you had said you've been there about two years. Where were you um, prior to that? So prior to that, uh, I was actually at Stanford HealthCare. I was a, an assistant medical director for one of uh, Stanford's foundations. When uh, Stanford has uh, been on a track to expand their services outside of the Palo Alto hub uh, to the rest of the Bay Area, they created a foundation uh, model to drive that expansion. And so I was actually not coming from an IT world, but very much from a physician leadership quality and safety, pretty much the same issues that I face as a CMIO, but um, more on the clinician leadership side, less on the technical um, implementation and support role, although they do blend very well together. Part of that role in, in involved partnering with our CMIO at Stanford um, at implementing EPIC across the, the acquired practices that became that foundation. And what's the system that's in place now at uh, University of Iowa Healthcare? So both our both Stanford and Iowa are, are EPIC institutions. Okay. Uh, so the it's all EPIC. Yeah. <laughs> We're fortunate not to have a fragmented EMR system. I know many health systems uh, that have acquired or expanded their network face that challenge of how do we create uniformity if we have different EMRs. Right. In terms of like really what what's your top priority right now, what, what would you say that that is? So I would say my top priority, uh, which was my top priority even as I came to the organization, uh, and this is a, a holdover, I would say, from uh, it's my experience at Stanford, is facing our epidemic of physician burnout and really taking accountability for the EMR contribution. Um, the EMR often is blamed for physician burnout, and I think that's not fair. Um, there are many driving factors, um, a lot of change that are coming our physicians' way, whether it's al alternate payment models or uh, transformation of care models, lots of drivers that, are, that our clinicians are facing. Uh, the EMR is an additional um, challenge, that dig the digitization of medicine and what that has resulted in an inundation of data and demand on time. And so... Um, that really has been one of my focal areas of focus over the last two years is better understanding how we can um, adapt to change, prepare our clinicians or provide them with tools to be, be better able to uh, navigate the electronic medical record, uh, usability, um, support, uh, things like that to help to ease the clinician's burden when it comes to documenting and uh, trying to decipher the data, how do we make the data more 
uh, integrated and easier to interpret. And then really partnering with our operations in um, targeting a top of the licensure use of our electronic medical record, especially as we are transforming the way that we provide care, um, that those care delivery models match top of the license use of, uh, of our care team and that our EMR reflects that as well. Um, so it doesn't all have to funnel to the physician, um, but that there are ways that we can leverage our care teams. So a very targeted strategy, whether it's uh, providing resources to help the clinician become better at using the EMR, um, eliminating some of the wasteful clicks when it comes to our, our clinical decision support governance and how we um, um, govern BPAs and alerts, and then up to the transforming the care delivery model to really uh, utilize the whole care team. Right. And George, in the work that, that you're doing with CHIME, I, I would imagine that, that physician burnout is something that, that comes up uh, a lot. And can you talk about kind of what, what you're seeing with this and, and really, you know, how, how this is something that can be dealt with? Sure. Uh, it, not only physician burnout, but sometimes CMIO burnout is, is, is a, uh, uh, an important topic. Um, at, at the Leadership Academy, we approach this question really in terms of, of what are the leadership skills that the CMIO needs to help manage through this. And, and really, um, physician burnout is, is in, in many ways, it has symptoms that are similar to, to clinical depression in some ways in that it's driven out of a sense of powerlessness that between, as Maya said, between the regulatory burdens and the documentation requirements and all of the external constraints that are placed on physicians today, they feel disconnected from the original mission of why they, why they became doctors to begin with. And they feel more like cogs in a system as opposed to, to semi-autonomous professionals who, who are helping people. And so the, the focus needs to be on ways to, uh, obviously, as, as Maya said, you know, getting everybody practicing at, at the top of their, their license so that uh, needless work is not shifted uh, to the physicians and they're not, they're not becoming their own unit secretaries, for example. Um, but at the same time, finding ways to reconnect them to the patients and to their coworkers and to their colleagues so that they feel that they truly are part of a profession and a community as opposed to isolated people sitting in an, in an office someplace. Yeah, really. That's a topic that we're just, we're really seeing a lot of now more and, and it's being brought to light, which is good to see, but it, it almost seems like in some points that everything that's happened with EMRs and implementations has made EHRs itself uh, almost like a scapegoat for uh, this having so much to do, having so much on their plates and, and getting away from the patient care. And I think that, that that's something that's probably difficult for, for leaders to manage. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to the extent that the EMR, the design of an EMR, it has to fill certain requirements. You have, you have to provide certain levels of documentation. You have to jump through certain hoops in order to get things done based on the external requirements uh, placed upon healthcare. Um, all that means that from the end user, from the physician standpoint, the EMR is forcing me to provide this additional information and forcing me to click these boxes. It, right. it, it isn't the EMR that's forcing you to do it. It's, it's CMS and it's the Joint Commission and it's a host of other regulatory requirements, but the, but the avenue through which we, we approach that is the EMR. So, you know, perception is reality. Right. 
Now, for Stan, at, at Intermountain, you talked about um, how it, it is uh, – certainly somewhat different having being part of one such a large system but then also one that has a CMIO and a CHIO. So one thing I would ask is how closely do you work with the CHIO? Very closely. In fact, just recently he became my boss. So, you know, I'm under okay. his direction. Until until recently I reported to the CIO and the CHIO reported to the chief medical officer. So it was sort of a division between sort of the technical side and the clinical side, if you will, the, the direct patient care side. And so okay. we work very closely together. As far as that, that the division of uh, responsibilities, is that something that kind of uh, has, has evolved along the way or, or maybe is changing, or is it pretty cut and dry between where those responsibilities fall? It's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. But, it, I mean, it has evolved over time. I mean, a lot of it is not probably as intentional a division as it is just based on my my interests and, and abilities. I, you know, I focused a lot of my career on interoperability, participating in, in HL7, working uh, as a co-chair of the, of the LOINC committee uh, early on, you know, part of of SNOMAD and the development of those coded terminologies. And so my knowledge and skills really have to do with, with architecture and infrastructure and interoperability. And if the personnel changed, you know, I'm not sure that it, it wouldn't be consolidated in a different way. But, you know, I think the thing that is maybe interesting and going on at Intermountain and, and I think similar to others, we're, we're just at the tail end of of migrating from our legacy systems to Cerner. Uh, we've, got, we've got one hospital left. Uh, our pediatric hospital is, is left to go live. You know, some of the interesting issues around that, especially that, that pertain to my role, are what do we do next? And we now have to transition from the organization that was optimized for configuring and implementing the system and training docs and that sort of thing to saying, mm-hmm. okay, how do we now enhance the system to make it useful and productive and, and right. to increase productivity rather than, than decrease productivity? And some of the ideas that come out, I mean, some, some of the leadership within Intermountain Healthcare think, well, we, we bought Cerner and so we don't need medical informatics anymore. We don't, we don't need people who are knowledgeable because Cerner's going to take care of that. And, right. and, of course, I argue against that sort of vehemently because Cerner's a company. We've been happy. We think they're a good company. But they have different goals and uh, different responsibilities than Intermountain Health Care has. Right. You know, it would be, I think, the most foolish thing in the world to think that, that we would just follow whatever Cerner told us to do in terms of, of system architecture, of, of right. knowing which ancillary systems we should buy and interface as opposed to just using their standard product, those kind of things. And, and then the other thing that's become apparent is that there are lots of things that would improve Cerner's infrastructure. Now, how, how interested they are in, in doing that is, is not 100% clear. Mm-hmm. But they've made, a, I think, an important shift in their strategy, thinking about themselves as a platform rather than thinking about themselves as uh, providing every application that's needed for the enterprise. I, I think they've realized that they can't do 
the latter. They can't be the source of every piece of software that we want and need, uh, that the marketplace needs to change. And so those are some of the important issues that I talk with, uh, with our leadership about and um, that I'm sure come up in different ways with, with the other organizations as well. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.